This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. It takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. We are on Meetin. Meetin. We're not on Zoom. This is one of the few times we've not been on Zoom. And Meetin is a alternative to Zoom and Google. Correct. Yeah, like many companies that have started over the last couple of years. Uh, started by a gentleman who got tired of giving money to companies that he did not believe were on the same team uh, fighting for liberties and unalienable rights. And so he started Meetin, M-E-E-T-N, to basically do exactly what Zoom does. And it does. We've been using it for over a year now, doing recordings. And you can change your background to some, you know, whatever you want to change your background to. And you can do basically everything that you can on Zoom. Yeah, you know, it's so it's like we have this event coming up that's a lot of these companies together that's called Replatform. And for everyone listening to this, uh, we're doing a secret ball <laughs> as part of this. Uh, so anybody uh, who's curious about that, let me know and m maybe we can get you get you in. I'm curious right? about it. Where 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 is the secret ball being had? It's in the same area. So you're certainly invited, Sean. You're you're definitely invited to this. Uh, so I'm guessing uh, yeah, by the theming of the uh, having been to Vegas enough times, I'm guessing by the theming of the invite, it might be on the rooftop of the uh, gosh, what's the name? There's like a secret club on the rooftop of the oh, I'm blanking on the name of the place. Hmm. Anyway, you well, walk in and there's like card sign there's like an ace of spades and a joker card and you know what i'm talking about no i mean i don't think it's going to be at that place but yeah. but uh, anyway we, we don't want to reveal too much about it but it's uh yeah we um you you will definitely be invited i'll actually send this to you right now but i think as a as a presenter you you should be like invited to this definitely um uh, anyway, so yeah, so what is this replatform conference? What did, like, how did you find out about it? Like, what even is this? Yeah, I had like seriously about a dozen people email me and say, Sean, you need to check out this event. This is right up your alley with everything that you're working on. You need to be here. And I went and I saw how much tickets were and how much would it cost to be a vendor. And I was like, I don't know. It was a lot of money. And then you got to fly to Vegas and you got to get, I'm in South Carolina. So, plane ticket to vegas in four days and it's like i don't know and then uh i figured you know what i'm just going to email the people who run on the show and sent david an email and he called me like the next day and we end up talking for like an hour and a half two hours and uh he convinced me to come <laughs> so i probably know just as much as you do i haven't i think this is the second time they're doing it or maybe the first time that they've done it i think it's the first so as I understand it, and from just the people that I know who are coming, we're all involved in building organizations and companies 
that are designed to protect people's freedom of speech and not cancel you just because you are quote unquote violating terms of service, which may be defined by whatever the guidelines are of the woke people who are running Microsoft or Google or Amazon or whatever at any given moment at any given time or the white house when the white house simply says we don't like what this person's saying because it's counter narrative it's going to conflict with what we want so they just basically tell people take these people down and for some freaking reason these social media companies just do whatever they're told yeah so why do they do it like why are they so easily malleable money i mean it always comes down to money the answer is always money you follow the money. And it's unfortunately what I've learned the hard way, but also learned early on in life. Um, I thankfully had a father who taught me when I was very young that you'd always have to follow the money. When I was 14, he actually made me want. Have you ever heard of the creature from Jekyll Island? I don't know if we talked about this. What is the creature from Jekyll Island? So Jekyll Island is an island off the coast of Georgia. It is where um, there is a, it's where like the elite of the elite used to it's basically like the bohemian grove of the east coast right and it's on an, on an island off the coast of georgia and you have the rockefellers and the rothschilds and all the major heavy hitters would show up there in the 1800s early 1900s plotting and scheming and planning on how they're gonna you know take over more of the industry and economy and whatnot not only in the u.s but globally so it's where the the founding of the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund and the International Bank of Settlements and our Federal Reserve was all founded. But the book, um, Creature from Jekyll Island, is basically the history of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. And the really cool thing about the book is that it teaches you, the first half of the book is really teaching you the history of money. So where did currency come from? Where did money come from? All the different types of things that have been used as currency over the past you know thousands of years um so it's really fascinating so my dad when i was 14 made me watch the seven i think it was a seven part vhs series on that topic and it really got my brain spinning about holy crap who really runs the world who really owns the world because uh, when you really start to realize that we have a banking cartel and we have gangsters at the highest levels who are pulling the purse strings of nation states and corporations, it becomes, things make a lot more sense. So all to say with social media companies, they're really just propaganda marketing arms for the money that backs these companies, right? So with Twitter for the long, I mean, from day one and Facebook, you know, the intelligence age, intelligence agencies and these, um, these folks who have, been scheming for a long time, saw the value of having a tool that had billions of people on it where they could push out a narrative. And as people are now starting to wake up to the reality of, you know, what we're calling artificial intelligence, but learning language models that are so um, convincing that they're real people that they haven't realized that 40 to 60% of the accounts on all these different social media companies are fake accounts. They're not even real people, they're bots. It's, I've literally been in the data centers where they have thousands of mobile phones connected with fake accounts and they're just pushing narratives out. So in the marketing world, as I know, you know, Isaac, 
you can buy this. You can say, I want 50,000 accounts tomorrow on my Twitter account. And you can buy those accounts. Those accounts may or may not be real people. Most of them are not real people. And you can say, I want those 50,000 accounts to say or push this specific message out. And they can push that message out. So you can get people seemingly out of nowhere who overnight tend to have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers. And you're like, oh, that person's important. I should listen or follow that person. And then you get this echo chamber of a narrative that can get pushed out through these channels. So when you follow the money and you realize that the people who actually were the early investors um, in these businesses and the major financial backers of these companies that for many years lost hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, you start to realize that they're really just marketing arms and propaganda arms for much, much larger causes. And I'll shut up at that. Well, I mean, that's true, certainly, but it's also not like, I mean, I don't think it's so, it's not like the entire thing was a plan from day one, right? I mean, it's not like the Fed was like, let's launch Facebook and called up Mark Zuckerberg and was like, hey, do this, right? It was more like, you know, the, the tech companies evolved and like any powerful regime, the, this regime was just pretty much able to we work its way into the top. I mean, this is what the Twitter files showed, right? The Twitter files showed exactly this, that essentially, you know, the, the, the intelligence agencies and not to mention all the huge corporations were, uh, you know, effectively the leadership was so weak that they weren't able to keep those people out. And, and though, you know, the leadership was interested in this woke bullshit anyway. Right. So pretty much it was, it was a zombie. Twitter was a zombie that existed on behest of the regime. Right. I mean, that's so, pretty much so what it was. Let's back up there. Do you remember the uh, hearing of, I think it was the CIA director at the time. This was like a year or two after Facebook launched where he was being interviewed by Congress and the gentleman was asked a question about a program that they had. I forget what it was called. It sounded similar to Facebook, but it's, it was something different. And they said, well, what happened to this program? They said, well, we shut that program down because we realized that people were putting willingly putting more of their own information into Facebook than we were planning on pulling through all these different networks that we had of people to build this very same database. So it didn't make financial sense or any sense for us to go out and actually build this on our own covertly when people were going to be willingly pushing all this information out. Um, so in that, I agree with you that someone didn't call Zuckerberg and was like, hey dude, it's time, build yeah. this thing, make right. it happen, right? But opportunistically, right? I always say like, if you gave me exponential money, I could probably take over the world in very short order. It might take me a decade, maybe, probably less than that, because it's not that complicated. When you look at how much it costs to buy off executives and companies, congressmen, congresswomen, it just becomes ridiculous how people are motivated by money and how they will do whatever and say whatever at the for the right price. Or you get them, you know, in compromised situations and you hold that over their head. Um, so I, you know, I do believe that these social media companies and even, you know, even Google, where did the early money come from for Google? Do you know that? 
Yeah, somebody was just telling me this, right? They, they, was that maybe that was probably you? So, yeah, where did it come from? It was a That's DARPA grant. You. It was a DARPA <laughs> grant out of Stanford. Right. right. So, you just, you just start following the money. You start realizing all of these different things are really military operations when it really comes down to it. And because of their influence and their impact for national security reasons, right? The government is forced to step in and take a role. And if I'm running a three-letter agency, NSA, FBI, whatever, you better believe that I'm going to play that card. I'm going to say for national security reasons, I need to and we need to as a country to protect our best interests, have a say as to what is going on here. And the same thing takes place with the platforms that people use on a day-to-day basis whether it's Microsoft or it's uh, Google Android or it's Mac OS or the rest of it. Like for me, it's not that complicated as I've been a systems theory person my whole life, just following the money, trying to figure out who has power, who has influence and what is the ethos of those people. Um, You know, all the stuff that I've been labeled a conspiracy theorist for my whole life. I'm like, it's all played out to a T. And now we've got the World Economic Forum and Davos, and we've got these lunatics who were openly, unapologetically telling us that they want to depopulate the planet and that they want to enforce central bank digital currencies. They want to enforce what's going on in China with this whole um, social credit score system because it'll be easier to manage the population using those mechanisms because it's more predictable. So when we have these global corporations and brands who benefit from all of this, it's not surprising to see how and why things are playing out the way that they're playing out. Of course. And I, I of course, agree. I, and, you know, I want to get into your part of this, which is the pipes, right? I mean, you're, you're going down to the level of the cloud and ensuring that people can um, use the internet at all without being, um, you know, de-platformed effectively, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess it's just the the thing that I I want to kind of just dwell on here for a second is like when we say conspiracy, what do we actually mean? Because it it worries me so much because it's like, you know, the the issue with the right is that we're passed off we're the the parts of us that are actually the most interesting like people like you and people like you know who are doing these kinds of projects are passed off as conspiracy theorists you know what i mean and once once that they say that i think this is ultimately going to end up being much worse for them than better but in the short run conspiracy theorist has been their shorthand for writing people off. You know, right. it's actually and funny. Where, My, I have a, where did the term conspiracy theorist even come from? I mean, do you know the history of that? No, no, that was, this is fully documented release. It was literally made up by the CIA after the JFK assassination. They literally created the term in order to label all, label all the people that were coming up with different stories as to what actually happened with the JFK assassination as conspiracy theorists. So, but um, let me, you know, I digress, keep going. No, it's, I mean, that's, that's very relevant. That's very relevant to what we're talking about. I didn't know that, but it's also like, 
I mean, I, I guess the, the bigger thing is why, if you work for the CIA and you wake up in the morning, you're a normal person, right? You're not like actually a lizard, right? I mean, it's like, you're not really actually a lizard human. I mean, maybe at some yes, level. Yes, but, you're not one yet. Yeah, right. It's like that person doesn't, they know that they're a propagandist, right? They know that they're, they think it is their job to get large groups of people to act in certain ways, right? Like they've been, they've convinced themselves, well, look, without somebody like me guiding the pieces and guiding the groups, it's a disaster because somebody has to guide these people, right? Right? And so it's like, that's not necessarily a conspiracy. It's really just people who are in positions of power telling themselves that they have to like behave in certain ways. And then, so what, but right? let's answer your question. You asked a very good question to start this all off is what is a conspiracy? So sure. what is, what is the definition of conspiracy? Yeah. So a conspiracy like indefinitionally would mean a group of private people organizing a, you know, sh a shared project, a group project that has like a, you know, a, a common denominator of interest among them and enacting that uh, together, right? I mean, it comes from like criminal conspiracy, right? I mean, that's like, right? So the key to conspiracy is what you just, it's the criminal aspect, right? So it's yeah. not just a group of people privately scheming together because like that's every business ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's every entrepreneur, every founding story like that's so is every business a conspiracy? Well, yeah. no, right? Not not when you realize that the conspiracy what makes something a conspiracy is that when you have illegal, wrongful or subversive activity going on. Right? That's what makes it a conspiracy. So when you follow the money and you look backwards and you realize the people who are playing these games are playing not not like year-by-year year games, right? They're not even playing decade-by-decade decade games. They're playing century-by-century century games, generational games, right? And they realize that for us, and again, if I had no ethos and you gave me an unlimited amount of money, I would do some very evil things. You better believe I'd be doing conspiratorial things. If I had no ethos, I believe that there was no repercussions to my actions, right? The ends justify the means, then I'm going to lie, cheat, steal, do whatever I need to do to control and, and um, grab as much power as I possibly can. Like, sure. it doesn't take a genius to figure that mindset out, right? And I, I don't know if you've ever met any of these folks, but I've had, you know, either the, the blessing or the, the not blessing to have sat down and broken bread with some of these people who I, honest to God, I when you say are, these are evil. People, though, who, who is these people? People who have, uh, are part of a generational wealth um, uh, lineage, who have, uh, who are part of a, to be blunt, a Luciferian um, evil ethos, right? They literally worship evil. Um, and and subject themselves to that, you know, call it religion, call it ethos, call it whatever, right? But it's dark and it's evil. It's the antithesis of and the dichotomy to um, un, what 
high frequency of unconditional love, gratitude, and appreciation, you have the inverse of that, which is anger, fear, aggression, right? They live and they dwell in this bottom low frequency arena because they literally, the only thing they care about is what they can achieve on this planet while they are alive and for those in their lineage. They want to make sure that that power structure stays in place year over year, generation over generation. So I, I'm, how, when did you end up like breaking bread with these people? Like when you say that, what do you mean? And how, how did that, because I, I have a slightly different, we're completely on the same page here. I just have like a slightly different, I don't think that what we're seeing is, I don't think like those people, like John Podesta, right? I don't think John Podesta wakes up in the morning. I keep saying this wake up in the morning thing. I know this yeah, is yeah. dumb, but I don't think that he thinks of himself in this way. You know, like, I don't, I, I, I don't think that he thinks I worship Satan. You know? no, well, 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 he probably does, but it's a matter of like, it's a matter of I worship me. I am God. I right. am my own God. Right. Yeah. Yes. So what I, I care about is right. Right. I am my own. So yeah. all I care about is what is going to please me. Right. I want to my carnal desires must be fulfilled, will be fulfilled. My ability to because of the connections I have, the money I have, the access I have gives me the ability to control and influence the world around me. And that gives me a God complex. That is a frightening complex. It's the same complex where someone can look at themselves and say, I am worth 10, let's just say $10 billion, which is a stupid amount of money, right? You can do anything, buy anything with that much, with that kind of money. That's F you money, right? Like it's stupid money. Why someone who has $10 billion is like, well, I need another $150 billion or $250 billion just because, you know, my buddy over here is worth $500 billion and I need to prove to myself that I can go make that kind of money. Like that's just ridiculous evil mindset because it is a worship of money and not a worship of the high frequency state of being. Does that make sense? And that's where uh, you get into a very slippery slope and scary, scary dimensional realities. So I completely agree uh, when, when you're saying uh, that, like, they are. I completely am on the same page when you're saying that they're <clears throat> worshiping themselves and, and they've entered this zone of caring about things in a certain way that makes it so that they are behaving to enact chaos. And I think that so much of what we're seeing is essentially chaos. And I think that humans, because we're godly creatures, really, we see chaos as satanic. Like, like the, the, the image of chaos in our minds, like we were registering certain things. It's like, have you seen these statues in New York City that are like the fertility goddess of some, like they look satanic to us, right? Like, like, and it, it's like the flavor of chaos is satanic in our eyes. So I, I, I don't, 
I mean, we have to first we have to define chaos, right? Because we have what people's perception of chaos is and what chaos actually is. I don't. So chaos is a means to an end. You know, it's it's like the saying: every great disaster um, presents an opportunity. So with chaos creates an opportunity. It's the Hegelian dialectic, right? So the creation of chaos is a means to an end, especially if you've through conspiracy or even just tactful planning, right? You have ahead of time already concocted what the outcome is going to be and where you're going to try to shuffle people towards, shuffle humanity towards, shuffle consciousness towards, right? So when I see breaking news and there's like mass pandemonium going on, for me, my first question is, what is the ends? What is this going to lead towards, right? What is the objective of all of this? So with 9-11, perfect example. I just so happen to have been a senior in college during 9-11. I just so happen to have been in a poli-sci class where we had just finished reading, I kid you not, Brave New World. Um, uh, Dune, 1984, right? Yeah. And so I was in this stuff and I'm watching the Twin Towers go down and literally the words that came out of my mouth, this is the beginning of the endless war against the unseen, unknown terrorist that's just going to fuel this war on terrorism. And sure enough, that was the media mantra that got pushed out. And how many trillions of dollars have we spent since then? And the people were told, we need to pass the Patriot Act. No one has time to read this thing, but don't worry about it. It was pre-drafted before the event even happened somehow. They just had this thing sitting waiting, right? And I read the damn thing. And I was like, holy crap. Y'all realize that all this is doing is now putting into law and making it legal for our own government to spy on us unconditionally. Whereas they've been, I know that they've been doing it before, but at least they, now they have the free reign access to do it. And they can say, you know, well, the, because of the Patriot Act, we can do all these things. So you can't hold us liable for, for any of the stuff that we're doing. Right. Um, so for me, when I saw 9-11 going down, I was like, this is clearly bogus because every news channel is pushing the same flipping message at the same time. I'm watching a controlled demolition. I'm saying this is a controlled demolition and other people in the engine. I happen to be in university in California and I went to the engineering buddies of mine. I said, watch this. They're like, that's a controlled demolition. I'm like, I know that's a controlled de demolition, but no one's saying it. Right. And then they had the audacity. This is the, what truly blew my mind up where they picked up. Do you remember when they picked up? I don't know if you remember. They picked up a passport from what one of the hijackers on the streets of New York that they said that the FBI found. And it had some like fringe fired, you know, charring on the sides of it. And they said, oh, we found the passport of one of the hijackers. I'm like, who in their right flipping mind is going to watch this and believe this BS? If these planes blew up in these buildings like they did, there's no flipping way that a passport from a hijacker flew out of the flipping airplane and landed on the streets, right? Who would believe that? And, well, and then, hold on, one last thing, one last thing. And then we're led to believe that the only footage we have of the airplane that hit the Pentagon is the freeze frame for, like, the four right. free frames yeah, yeah, yeah. we, freeze frames we have. Weird. That is pretty weird, the Pentagon thing, I will say. That, that, that is like, yeah, why is there no footage of that at all? And it's, and it's the Pentagon. Like it's the how, how could that be? And I mean, like, again, I think that 
obviously building seven, obviously that was demolished, but I don't know if I'd buy that the, the towers themselves, I don't think the whole thing was a conspiracy. I don't, I mean, we don't really even need to get into this because I don't, I'm not like super well. Let's do a whole show, Isaac, on justice. (laughs) I would need to prepare a little bit because I don't think I can like keep up with you, but, uh, uh, no, I mean, the passport thing you're saying is is very funny. I, I mean, I think it kind of goes to to COVID, right? It's like it's like the thing the, the thing that I just want to like push back on is I think where we start to get lost is when we start having this idea that every there's these puppet masters that are so powerful that everything that happens they're they're going like this and we're just like at the mercy it's like 911 covid and we're just like getting completely just marionetted around by these these ultra powerful people who ever they have a, a, a 1000 year plan you know i don't think it really works that like that because if it did work like that it, we would have precedent for it right i mean like we have we have the Reichstag fire, and that's true. He did set the Reichstag fire, right? That was a real example of propaganda that really happened, right? And so that that's true. And we have things like, um, you know, uh, the CIA LSD program, whatever that was called. I can't remember what was that called. Uh, I don't what it was yeah, whatever that is. And you know, and we have we have t- t- tons of examples of propaganda. We have JFK's killing, you know, which was obviously. Who knows exactly what it was, but there was some Martin Luther, Martin Luther King's killing. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah, exactly. The FBI. So we, it's not that these conspiracies aren't true and there aren't examples of a lot of this stuff being propaganda. And like COVID, I think COVID was the perfect, perfect thing because it was like, it was, an, it was a, per, it was an example of how these people that you're talking about, who are the people that run the world, it was an example of how they plan things and they coalesce around uh, a series of talking points that occur around events that actually do happen, though, right? Like, like, I don't think that the entire thing of COVID was manufactured. What really happened is they were doing testing they shouldn't have been doing with the Chinese for money, in order to make a lot of money at the behest of pharma companies, it went wrong, and th- we just suffered the damage control, right? Like, and so, and the damage control just it's used as an opportunity for them to gain more power. As you're saying, they're they're using it as a as a way to get more power, and they're doing that because they don't have any values. So, every, like, we're actually very close in our understandings. I'm just saying, I don't think the entire thing's like scripted, you know, from like day one. So due to the nature of humanity, not everything can be scripted. And there are things that happen um, that are not part of, you know, their their plan, right? Uh, for sure, 100%. Uh, in that, if you if you keep doing the digging, right? You, do you know about the, the big conference that was held like a year prior to COVID, right? Yeah, Where they were- sure. They were planning out and playing out, right? So what? that's odd that a year before COVID hit, 
they were planning out and playing out how they were going to control the media, control the message, get all the politicians on the same page and getting all the stakeholders involved. And let's go back to following the money again. If I own and control a majority stake in the media companies and I have the blackmail and or the control because of the money of the politicians and I funded the campaigns of the DAs and the governors and whatnot. Like I, for you to think that it's not a conspiracy that this played out the way it is for me tells me that you're like complete. And I'm not saying you specifically, but you're like completely ignorant to how the world works. Right. And I'm not saying every person, a part of that, that was a part of this was aware of the full scheme. It's a military run operation. Right. And I've never been in the military, but I've hired dozens of military people in the past. And I, you know, my brother from another mother is a former army ranger, the 52nd airborne. Um, I understand how the military operates and works. If you're a grunt on the ground, you have no idea what the main mission is. You're just told, here's your role, play your role, do this, yeah. right? Yeah. That's all you know. So when people say, oh, there must have been millions of people involved to pull this off at the level, it's like, no, dude, it's not that complicated. When you control the purse strings and you control people's lives and you say, do this or you're fired or do this and we'll pay you more, like every celebrity or you know influencer that was paid a stupid amount of money to say, get the job, jab. And every, all of a sudden, every TV show, every commercial, everything had the same message. Like that should instantly tell you something's amiss, something's up. You could say that this wasn't pre-planned like dozens and hundreds of years ago. I would say it was because I've read the literature of the people who have been planning this stuff because they're unapologetic about it. You just read some of the reports from the Club of Rome, and I could go deep down these rabbit holes with you, man. They've literally been telling us exactly what they're going to do for, I would say, hundreds of years if you really want to get into it. And it's been all playing out to a T. So it's frightening to me how much the mass, how many, how much the masses have how long it's taken people to wake up, right? But COVID was a big wake-up call where people are like, wait a second, wait a second. You told me that if I got the jab, I wasn't going to get COVID, but I got COVID after I got the jab. And then you said, well, get this booster and you won't get COVID. And I got the booster and I got COVID again. And it's worse than my buddy who never got jab. Wait a second. Hmm. What the heck, right? So I think people are starting to wake up, but my... I don't want to say it's a real worry because I know God has full control over what's going on. And it's all going to play out how it's supposed to play out. And I don't even worry too much about justice being served to the people who have created all this mass murder around the world. Because I know at the end of this life, justice will be served when they meet their maker. Um, but it is interesting to me as to where we are in time. If we're going to see enough people wake up fast enough to really take the people who are responsible for this mass murder on a global scale of our kids, right? And of just entire populations, genocides of entire populations that we don't hear about because the news isn't talking about it. But you took look at the Uyghurs in China, you look at what's going on in Yemen, you look at how many genocide going on in Africa, like every moment of every day, there are literally Can tens of thousands Yemen? of people. Yemen huh? is Yemen. I've been saying Yemen this whole time. Yemen, Yemen. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm ranting right now. So but the way I say things is I'm from Chicago. And so when I get you know, I'm also from Chicago. Oh, did we talk about this? I think maybe I don't we, think we did. Where in Chicago are you from? Uh, well, I grew up in Hyde Park and then Evanston later. Where in Evanston? Evanston, like South Evanston. Do- I mean, I grew up on a house in Dodge and Heaney Street. Yeah, I know that. I grew up in Wilmette. I went oh, to New Trier. Oh, yeah. I went to Evanston. Biggest there you go. big rivals. Big rivals. When did you graduate? 2003. I graduated in 98. Yeah, so you were just like a little ahead of me. Yeah. Um yeah, so it, I I think that like people most definitely are waking up, right? I think that again, we have this problem though in, in that there's a problem of like I just read and, and wrote this really long piece about you've heard of Edward Bernays. Bernays, he's the father of modern propaganda. If if you've ever seen yes. Adam Curtis's yes. movie, he he talks about it. So Bernays, you know, was really a guy who was in the the heyday of creating the way that propaganda works today. And he lays it all out. Like he's very, you know, he was like at the heights of of propaganda in America. And also like Saul Alinsky, right? Like if you've read any Saul Alinsky, these guys are the propagandists of the regime. Like Obama was a student of Saul Alinsky. As was Hillary Clinton. Yeah, As was Hillary Clinton, right? Saul Alinsky is not telling people to write a script. Like like, like uh, Bernays is not saying plan this all out to the point where you're all powerful, right? Like the way that they're doing propaganda, it's it Saul Alinsky too, is actually not that, nef- it's not as nefarious as we make it out to seem. It's like they're simply taking information, generating information when they can, but much more often taking the information they already have, right? And the information that already appears. And they're, filtering it and projecting it in such a way that is designed to manipulate the masses. And the reason that they think that they have to manipulate the masses is because we live in a democracy, we live in a capitalism, and we live in a place where now information is super easily manipulatable on a, la- on a mass scale. So with those three things together, if you are a leader... You know, Bernays has this exact quote. He says, the only way for a leader to operate in today's world is via propaganda, because there's simply no other way to get the masses to, like, act in certain ways. So what what I see is not this nefarious uh, group that's existed for 2,000 years, or, you know, however thousands of years that is that is, like, scripting everything out that ever happens and blah, blah, blah. What I see is a group of morally bankrupt people who have found themselves at the height of power because they're selfish and they have no morals, and that has allowed them to get into these positions of power, right? Not only that, they think it's their job to manipulate people. They think that propaganda is literally their job. So they wake up every morning and think, hmm, (coughs) sorry, they think, Hmm. What can I do today that's going to convince people to act in the way that I behave, and then they that I want them to behave, and then they wake up in the morning and they see the George Floyd video, right? 
that that actually happened, and they think, okay, I'm going to use this as a battering ram to get people to vote the way I want them to do, protest the way I want them to do. Yeah, I have Ryan, these image networks set up over here that are paying people to, you know, maybe they're not paying them to protest, but they're paying them to be a part of the citizens' democracy, you know, like center. You know what I mean? That's also connected to the gay rights center. And oh, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell those groups get out and protest, right? I see it as this like network of money and patronage, more so than a script. I guess is is what I would say. And I worry that viewing it as a script, it makes it one seem like our enemies are more powerful than they actually are, and also it makes it seem like everything is fake. You know, like, and and I and I think that that we lose people sometimes when when yeah. people think that that's what we're saying. Um, so lots of different things there. So the, the way I view it is a snowball, and also like military operation, right? But mostly a snowball effect. If you have the right idea and you can implant the right idea, like, um, trans rights or are uh, you know. I don't know what the other end of that saying is, but whatever, like transhumanism or even just trans, like a man is a woman, a woman is a man, a man can get pregnant, right? These are concepts and ideas that are not normal concepts and ideas. We literally viewed these ideas as mental illness all of five years ago, six years ago. And, you know, humbly and personally, rightfully so, mental illness, right? My four-year-old who comes to me and says, dad, I really like baseball. My four-year-old daughter who came to me and said, dad, I really like baseball. I didn't say, oh, you could be a boy. Maybe you're a boy, right? That was not the first thing that crossed my mind, right? Yeah. And my four-year-old going to school and having a teacher who says, oh, you could be a boy. And then having the authority to potentially take that kid away from me, right? That script wasn't played out to a T, right? But they knew that if you could put this idea out there and you could support it and you could encourage it and you could propagate it through all the right channels and you could legislate it through all the right channels, you can create an effect, right? Cause and effect. So if you push out these ideas, it becomes a snowball effect and you see all this stuff happening. And I think the concept of the controlled demolition is so apropos here because what I view, what's happening and have viewed it for a very long time is we're watching a controlled demolition of this country, of this of the constitutional republic, right? And you had mentioned before, you know, we're a democracy. I would say we are not a democracy. We are a constitutional republic. There is a big difference between the two. And our forefathers literally were very explicit when they wrote the constitution saying that we are not a democracy. And that the moment we start going down the road of democracy, we will have the failure of this nation. And they also said that this constitutional republic is really only designed for a moral and ethical people. And the second that we lose our morals and ethics as a society, then all hell is going to break loose and things are going to change very, very quickly and drastically. And that's exactly what's happened. So if your goal is to destroy this country, it's not hard to understand how and why things have played out the way that they've played out. You just start pushing out certain concepts and ideas like where people 
most people who I talk to, do you know what a constitutional republic is? People are like, uh, I kind of have an idea, but I, you know, it's it's a form of democracy. No, that understanding and knowledge is literally only come out in the last couple decades when the books in our schools started changing. And they started wrapping all this stuff under, this is a form of democracy. This is all new language, new verbiage, right? And you look through the history. Well, where did where did the modern um, school system come from? Who funded that? Who propagated that? Well, it was communists that literally created the modern education system. Well, who created the modern medical establishment? Well, that was the Rothschilds, actually. If you dig into it, it was the Rothschilds. Uh, that founded the modern medical establishment, who also happened to be trying to make as much money as possible in the process. And in, when they started that whole uh, American Medical Association, they got rid of all of the homeopathic stuff at the time. So for me, you follow the money and you look at the ethos and you look at these ideas that are pushed out using the money. And once you get that snowball going, people are going to run with it and they're going to do all kinds of crazy stuff. So do I think that every single mass shooter like the vast majority of the mass shootings that have gone on uh, that we hear about, you know, and then get tucked under the rug real quick have been from who they've been from mentally ill, mostly transgender people that have been occurring, but we don't hear about that on the news. It's not talked about it, but did they script these mass shootings? Did they say, well, if we push this out there, I bet we'll get a whole bunch of trans people doing mass shootings. No, because that doesn't further their narrative, but it's still part of the snowball effect. You get yeah. what I'm saying? No, totally. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, no, I think I think we're pretty much, you know, very close to agreeing. I mean, what is the difference between a constitutional republic and a democracy? Just so, just so I I know. Yeah. I'm so Google it. Google it. <laughs> right. So a democracy is a rule by the masses, right? So whatever the majority votes goes, right? And there's a problem with that because people are so easily manipulated that you can convince them to vote certain ways just by giving them bread and circus, yeah. right? Give them the bread and the circus, get them, keep them happy, give them the money, and they'll keep voting your way, right? A constitutional republic is very different. It is rule by law, rule by constitution, right? This is the same psychosis that we have now where people think that the rights that we have as Americans are bestowed upon us by the government when it's actually the opposite. Our government only exists because we give the government certain authority. It can only do certain things and can't do a lot of things because we give the government the ability to do these things. You understand the difference there, right? So it's rule by law versus rule by the masses and majority, and it's government gives us the freedoms and liberties that we have versus we give the government the ability to even exist and do certain things. So we've, in, you know, the vast majority of Americans don't even understand that simple paradigm, which is the core paradigm to the Constitution and the revolution in 1776 and the whole reason why we have this country to begin with. And that is part of an agenda. That was a conspiracy. They said we need to dumb down the population so that they don't understand the fundamental basics of their constitutions, of their form of government, so that we can go about shifting that consciousness. 
and changing it through a multi-generational scheme so that we can then do exactly what's going on right now. So you're saying that in a democracy, it's just the people are elected by the people, or sorry, the leaders are elected by the people, but then they are in control in the same way that a monarchy would be in control. They're just elected by the people. Whereas you're saying that a constitutional republic is that the government is existing at our approval, right? right. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying, right? You have a rule of law. You have a base rule of law. And you have certain things that have to happen in order to change that law, right? Got it. Right. I see what you're saying. So there, there's a base rule of law that is legislated by representatives of this people who are consenting that will to be governed essentially by this group more or less right well they're they're consenting to follow the rule of law the rules of law that have been set forth in their county in their state and in now in their nation right right well but but then how do you describe a democracy so but in a democracy is different how so democracy is purely rule by the majority, vote by the majority. Everything becomes a vote of the mass majority of the people and whatever the majority of the people think, then that's the change, right? Then you change everything along the way based on how people vote. Well, but voting also occurs in a constitutional republic. Correct, but it's in a much smaller scale. And what you're doing is voting a representative to basically enforce and and protect that constitutional um, rule of law, that that set of rules that were in place to protect the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like in practice, don't these basically become the same? You know, in in actual practice, when there's this many people and there is voting involved i mean isn't it just like a i mean to me it's more that the issue is more of a function of opening up the vote to every single person <laughs> i mean not 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 to be not to be like uh you know too edgy but it's like right i mean it's like when you're when you're opening up even in a constitutional republic if everyone has the right to vote on ev uh, on even their representative isn't that going to naturally kind of default to the dumbest people easily being manipulated into voting against their their interests? No, man, because you have you have a spread out population and you break up that population into different demographics and groups. Right. So that there's no one state states. Right. That can control the whole paradigm. That's part of the constitutional republic mindset right is you have two senators whether you're in rhode island or california right you have two senators whether you're texas or you're new hampshire right so that allows for um a representative basis across the whole country who can then participate in the process of governing and really it's supposed to be holding our government accountable to serving the people and protecting the boundaries of the country. What a democracy is, why they keep pushing democracies, we want to put everything to a nationwide vote, um, is because they know 
that the masses are easily manipulated yeah. Yeah. and that you're going to get the masses in the big cities who are going to vote for their own interests, right, or perceived interests to the exclusion of the people who are living in the rural areas, right? Whatever, whatever the topic may be. And you can't have that because it's going to create the paradigm where people just continue to vote for their, the masses will continue to vote for their mass best interests, where the minority interests constantly get shut out and pushed out the door. They don't have a say at the table. They don't have any say as to what's going on in that process. So the constitutional Republic, and I'm not a constitutional, um, you know, specialist, which I love, I wish I had a fr friend of mine, uh, 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 who is, who I wish could join us right now, and he'd do a far better job explaining this to you than I am. Um, but for me, the basic premise is this. If we allow democracy to run amok, which we've, which we've basically done, um, it leads to socialism, which leads to communism. That's the path that we're going. Because the people, when they're just left to just voting for whoever's given them the most money, are going to eventually keep voting people who are going to keep shelling out more money to get their vote. And then eventually they reach a paradigm where they're no longer being served at all by the leadership. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's definitely true. It's when you have a welfare state and you can bribe people, you know, with, which we have now. I mean, what, yeah, the heck, what was COVID, right? How many, anyway, but, but that's also, again, a function of me of like, I kind of agree that it should be like landowning men should pretty much be the only ones that can vote because it's like, look, I, it doesn't necessarily that they be that they have to be landowning, but that's just a good test for a certain level of like responsibility, you know, and like a certain level of understanding, you know, when it's like when you, when the, the issue, again, it's like, I think you're totally right to analogize our democracy is kind of like communistic in the sense that i mean and you know the the yarvanites who would say that we have been effectively a communist a communist country since fdr which like since then we've basically been a i've never heard of the yarvanites that's the first of what who are the yarvanites curtis yarvin do you know curtis yarvin that he's uh doing this ball he's meant to just mold bug he's like my whole world of the new right like my whole people our like core thinker is Curtis Yarvin, and he's an anti-democracy guy. Um, and I think that yeah, so I think that that's very true. I think and they're they're sort of offering this notion of this kind of hybrid democracy slash yeah. Read a letter to an open-minded progressive. I I definitely definitely suggest that, but um. I, yeah, they're kind of saying like uh, they're easily manipulating everybody with this very bad instinct. And this is where the, the this is kind of how I think you define idol worship and like biblical evil and communism in the same fell swoop because you're kind of, you're like, uh, by telling everyone they should control something, you're flipping upside down the order of things. You're you're saying you're basically saying to a classroom of children, 
you guys should be in control of the classroom. <laughs> and it's like the, the child, that's evil, right? Like that is the definition of evil. Like if you did that to a classroom of kids, you would be an evil person because you would be dooming the children to doing something that they have no business doing. Yeah. I think that that's essentially what you're doing when you're saying everyone should vote and on, and on every issue, because you're saying to a bunch of people that have no clue what they're talking about in any of these issues, you're giving them the right to control these things. And it's yeah. like, they shouldn't control the, the like in California, we have direct democracy where people are constantly voting on specific issues that they have no idea yeah. what they're voting on. And even and crazier, we just, so I just, I'm in South Carolina. We just had a primary yesterday and yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there were three questions after, you know, your Republican presidential primary pick, you know, I, I've been, I'm not an attorney, uh, but I've read thousands of contracts in my life. I've reviewed these contracts. I consult on contract. I'd like, I'm, I think I'm a fairly educated person knows how to read and reading comprehension the three questions that came after that pick were some of the most com complex convoluted made no sense to me yeah. and i even did some research ahead of time to try to figure out how i wanted to vote i couldn't figure out how i wanted to vote based on the right. way yeah. the question was worded and made me realize just by this was the first time i realized it but it's just so you're so easily manipulated. You can be so easily manipulated by the, even the verbiage of the question that you then feed to the masses, right? We're like, oh, of course I'm going to vote yes for this. And people have no idea what they really just voted for, right? Dude, it's the exact same in California. They, and it's so much money goes into manipulating the way that the the referenda is written. And it'll be like the like save puppies and dolphins from death act. And then it'll like actually be about like, you know, killing the puppies and the dolphins. Yeah, yeah, it'll actually be about killing the puppies and the dolphins. And yeah, no, and it's it's like right. If somebody like you can't tell what this is, we're doomed, right? I mean, it's like obviously we're doomed. Like, there's no way this is a tenable government. Like, we can't go on this way, you know. So let me ask. Let me ask you this: What? How do we get out of this? How do we get out of the paradigm that we're in to well, anything resembling sanity? Is sanity even a place that we're headed towards? Is it even? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great question. I, I think that um, the, the, the more radical uh, Curtis Yarvin type of person would say that basically we have to regress to a monarchy where there is basically what you would think of as a tech CEO who is the tech CEO of, of California. And it's like, we're imagining California being run by Apple and you're getting rid of, because uh, his argument is we're actually not in a democracy either. We're actually in an oligarchy. And this oligarchy is completely unelected and we're pretending like it's a democracy, but it's not a democracy at all. It's just an oligarchy. I would agree with um, that. And yeah. so we should just get rid of it all, scrap the oligarchy, replace it with a single leader. And that leader has regime, just like a king used to have a, a regime or a, you know, an, a court and a, and a system of governing. Um, and, you know, then we have a much more hierarchical system, which would have been, you know, involving nobles and, and then the workers the, 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 of the field, you know, that kind of thing. 
I don't personally believe this. I, I don't think the way is to go back to monarchy because, again, the thing that a monarchy doesn't take into consideration is, one, what happens when you get a shitty monarch, right? What do you do? You're screwed. You're stuck. You're stuck in this position until this guy dies, which nobody wants to be in that position. And then, <clears throat> B, the reason why the dream of democracy is so effective is because... Americans, particularly, we don't want to feel like we're ruled by someone. Humans don't like feeling that way. It's a sh crappy feeling. We don't want to feel like I have no say in my in my governance. That's just not a good feeling. So we have to. I think personally that the American experiment actually worked quite well for a long time. And for the reasons you're saying, that it was a constitutional republic that did distribute power a little better than the monarchy, and it made it more decentralized. The problem is communism occurred, right? And communism occurred because of industrialization and because people are weak and because religion died. Uh, you know, all of these reasons that communism has been allowed to capture people's souls. You know, idle, I mean, really, to me, it's idol worship at its at its core. Um, you know, they're dreaming of a utopia on earth. They, 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 you know, they think that we're going to, oh, that's what communists believe, right? They're, they believe that we, under the right conditions, it's a messianic religion. They believe under the right conditions, we will achieve a utopia on earth in which the workers are in control of the means of production. Everybody's happy and equal and getting exactly what they need and giving exactly what they can. And you know, they think that this is going to happen under the right conditions, which is, of course, insane. Um, so there has to be a way of re like getting rid of that and then kind of reminding people that the f format of decentralized capitalism, I think, is the best possible approach. Like decentralized capitalism, where people are given the right to assemble and, and build communities uh, with their own values and their own beliefs that we've had in America for a long time is probably like the best system you can have. And I think it's just getting back to that. Basically. That's what I would say. So have you heard about this constitution constitutional convention where they want to like redo the constitution? Re rewrite the constitution? Yeah. I think I've heard of that. So it's a group of people who, and there's, there's a lot of interesting money that's behind this whole movement, but they want to, you know, convene and, have everyone come together and redo the constitution for me that's the same mindset as well the ten commandments uh because people aren't following the ten commandments and aren't obeying the ten commandments we should redo the ten commandments and we should think <laughs> okay. of some different commandments right yeah, when really what we need to get back to is actually yeah. knowing the ten commandments what's frightening to me because i'm a christian right it i've talked to christians so few christians even know the ten commandments yeah yeah. So few Americans even know our Constitution, even yeah. understand that we're a constitutional republic and not a democracy. The whole conversation we just had, that our rights and our liberties are not given to us by government. Right. That's not where our rights are from. Read the Constitution. It actually says that these are bestowed upon us by God, that these are yeah. unalienable yeah, right. rights bestowed upon us by God. And that is our job as people to create a government that is going to have very strict limitations as to what it can and can't do. We control government. Government does not control us. That whole mindset 
the majority of the American people are completely oblivious to and unaware of. And unfortunately, the majority of those people live in big urban cities. Yeah. So when the big urban cities are then voting in elections without an understanding of the basics of their own country, we see this crazy stuff that we see playing out. I totally agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that it's right about we we don't need to rewrite the Ten Commandments. We need people to follow them, you know, and, and that's true on the constitutional level as well. But isn't it so ironic that like the ACLU, who's obviously our biggest enemy possible now, they they their whole thing is giving out constitutions. They give out little pocket constitutions to everybody. So isn't it funny that they're like supposedly are they, the on the same are they still doing it i i just saw one the other day i just like wow. i don't know where it was but it ended up in my house i was like what the hell is this aclu thing and it was a constitution i was like where what is this so yeah i think they still do that but it's funny it's like yeah like they don't believe in the constitution at all so like why are why are they giving yeah. that out you know yeah and so, so let's bring this back to big tech stuff right yeah yeah, yeah the world yeah. that i live in when when i was trying to warn people seven, 10 years ago, look, following the money, looking at the money in Silicon Valley, the venture capital, the private equity, you know, even the publicly traded companies that, you know, big tech companies that have gone public, they're all controlled and run. You just follow the money, look at the ethos of the people that have the money, and you start to understand how they're going to operate. It was all leftist, globalist, woke money, woke capital that was running and putting the money into the private equity and the venture capital on Sand Hill Road, um making the investments in these companies i knew the entrepreneurs great people they built great companies and they built families and they built culture but when it came to exit that family that culture went out the window it didn't matter they had to then be absorbed into the borg right most of these companies got acquired by all the other big tech companies that were out there um so when you follow the money i started following the money on the infrastructure side like who owned these big platforms, who owned the data centers, who owned the networks. I started realizing, crap, this is the same woke capital. It became quickly Amazon Web Services, Google, Microsoft, GoDaddy, like handful of companies that started controlling all of the hosting infrastructure. And people say, well, it's so convenient. And this is the key word. It, because it's so convenient, we're going to move and migrate all of our data into these environments, right? And it's no different with our devices because they're so convenient. People just decide that they're going to roll forward and start working with these businesses, not realizing that the agenda of the people that own these businesses is to control the narrative and propagate their own narrative. So when I was warning people saying, look, they're going to be removing conservative voices on these social media platforms and entire websites two-way related content, you know, people selling firearms or even just, you know, peripherals, they're going to start removing them from all these platforms. CRM systems like um, like MailChimp and um, Salesforce are going to start all jumping in line and pushing all this stuff off. And people said, Terrio, you're crazy. That'll never happen. This is America. We have the First Amendment. This is unconstitutional. It's unconstitutional. They can't do this. And I had to say, look, guys, you don't understand who you're up against. They don't give a flying crap about our constitution. Most of them, the pawns down the, uh, down the chain in the military hierarchy, like we've been talking about, 
are clueless. They've never even probably read the Constitution. They don't remember when they were taught it in fifth grade, if they even were taught it in fifth grade, right? So they're going to do whatever they're told because they say, you remove this content or you lose your job. It's that simple. So what are you going to do? Most people are going to be like, well, I got a mortgage. I got kids. I got I got college payments. I got debt. I got school debt. Sure, I, I don't want to lose my job, so I'll do it, right? So they just do it. So people got kicked off, and that happened right after January 6th, if you remember, when Parler got kicked off, right? Yeah. That was the watershed moment for the psyche of the conservative movement where they started saying, oh, crap, that just happened, which to me is mind-boggling because I kid you not, Parler was hosted on Microsoft Azure prior to AWS. It got kicked off of Microsoft Azure. So how that infrastructure team thought to themselves, well, let's just go from Microsoft to Amazon. Right. Yeah. But why did they think that? It's yeah, it mind boggling to me. Yeah. What they yeah. did. Right. Yeah. So that that's this is what's been happening. Right. So when I, we started seeing conservative voices get kicked off of Twitter and Facebook, I got kicked off of LinkedIn. They removed me, purged me from LinkedIn. I had close to 10,000 uh, followers on LinkedIn. I've been on. I was one of their first, like probably 12, one of the first 1,200 customers on LinkedIn. I've been a paid customer of LinkedIn for years, right? Woke up one day. Sorry, you can't get into your account because you violated your terms of service. Why did they kick you off uh, LinkedIn? For a variety of reasons, probably. Because my pronouns that they finally forced me to say were awake, awakened. Like That was my pronoun. Because I was constantly asking questions like, hey, I'm just curious, all the different talks about, you know, this was right when the war in Ukraine was going, kicking off. And I was like, does anyone know what Zelensky's job was before he became the president of Ukraine? I was just asking questions. Does anyone know, like, what the name of the TV series was that he played the president as yeah, before I he became the president, right? Yeah. Does anyone Did anyone see the comic you know, strip of him dancing with no pants on playing the piano before he became the president of Ukraine. I'm just curious. Has anyone seen this? Stuff like that. And I was asking questions about the genocide in China, of the Uyghurs in China, about the genocide in Yemen. And I was very openly talking about who owns and runs big tech, right? So I woke up one day, I couldn't get into my account. They refused to let me back in my account. They never said this specific thing is why you got kicked off. I had to basically you know, figure out why I got kicked off. But it's no question to me. I knew it was a matter of time, to be honest with you, because LinkedIn is basically uh, part owned by Microsoft and they're part of the same system yeah. game that feeds all of their data and information into the same central Borg, um, you know, profile for every single one of us that we all have that is shared by all the intelligence agencies, all the marketing companies and all the big tech companies. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So you saw this coming for a while. And so what does Mark 37 do about this? Yeah. So leading up to Mark 37, when that started happening, uh, I helped get started a handful of data center hosting um, cloud services companies um, that are now up and running and being run by amazing people who will fight to the death to defend our unalienable rights and our constitutional rights. Um, so that was key, right? Because you could build all these cool applications and nifty tools and software, but if all that software and those tools sit on servers that are owned by people that want to kill us or want to destroy us or want to cancel us, they can just flip the switch and turn us off. So it renders it pointless. So I had to solve for that. That I knew that problem set needed to be solved for. We need to own the physical assets. 
own the servers, own the network, own the data centers. So they can't just walk in one day and turn us off, right? I know some of the censorship comes from Cloudflare, which is actually not a server platform. It's like some software that you need in order to avoid DDoS attacks, I think. So are there alternatives to Cloudflare? Because they have been canceling people too. Yeah, they have. Um, so there are some interesting decentralized um, Cloudflare alternatives. I can't, you'd have to give me a couple minutes to pull up the names of them. Um, but to your point, yes, because of what Cloudflare has done in the past. I mean, they they were actually primarily responsible for kicking Parler or going to Amazon and saying, you need to do this. Um, so there are alternatives out there. I don't know off the top of my head what the names of those businesses are. Yeah. But well, it has no, to yeah, do I'm with, just wondering how deep yeah. the rabbit hole goes of like how many ways they're in control. You know, I mean, I, this is, as you've said, it's really a tip of the iceberg thing. It's like, you know, I have clients that I've had clients that do like seed oil free foods and you know, people think, oh, just make a company, just make a company that has no seed oils. It's like, no, all the distributors want to use seed oils. All the distributors are woke. All the, you know, software companies of the distributors are this. They're all controlled by the same small group of people. And you're so it's like, in order to even get your product in a store, you can't be right wing. It's like, it's not even possible. Whereas you go to I, I use this example all the time, but you go to the store, there will be products from Stonewall Kitchen at Whole Foods that is like a gay rights organization. There'll be a million of those. And that's totally fine. The distributors will distribute that shit all day. But if you have like Trump chips, they won't just carry it, you know, and, that, and that's yeah. a private decision. They can carry whatever the hell they want. Right. Yeah. So it's like, anyway, that's just a yeah, metaphor the for all the layers going down to the, you know, the bare metal. Correct. In the tech world, that totally exists. And I have, um, I've done the due diligence because I care and I need, I don't want to be giving my money to companies that are trying to kill me. Yeah. Um, is really what it comes down to. Cause I do believe that they're trying to kill me. They would prefer if I didn't exist and I was not spreading the messages that I was spreading. But they would much rather I was, what? you know, if I was super woke right now, I would have stayed in Silicon Valley. I'd probably be a multi gajillionaire <laughs> 10 times over. Right. Yeah, um, I, that wouldn't just... be fun, man. That wouldn't be fun. You know <laughs> what I mean? I like. I'm so. Th I like. You know, especially as a believer in God. Like, would I really? I'm glad I wasn't born ten years ago. And then, like, then what would I be doing? You know, like then I'd be stuck working for some big company trying to like play the rat race. And you know, like I would be stuck at a large agency probably or at a media company. I'd either be broke as fuck writing for Vice, right? Or I would Not be anymore. really rich and working for, you know, a huge ad agency. But either way, I'd be spending all my time forwarding a regime that I probably wouldn't even know was controlling me, really. You know, like. So so the evolution is um, with the infrastructure platform kind of getting built. I moved on for me, like. I'm a seed stage guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I like building and creating things. You get me into a business that starts cranking and has all the systems in place. Like I get bored 
super fast. I want to go build something new again. It's partly the ADHD that I, I know I have. That I've just been undiagnosed my whole life. Well, um, you can't start believing in ADHD. That's talk about something that's made up by the farmer. Right, right, right. <laughs> Let's just say I, I like building and creating new things, right? Yeah, that's um, the ADHD. second the company gets that's over. ADHD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, that got up and running. Great. I said, okay, what's the next major problem? Well, the next major problem major problem are these things that everybody has carries around in their pocket and for me like i believe that we're at war right now with enemies foreign and domestic hands down and i know i'm not alone i know there's hundreds of millions of people around the world there's probably over 100 million people in the us who if you ask them are we at war right now they'd say yep we're at war right now right so if we're at war right now the very simple question is this and i gave you a device i gave you a weapon i said there's a gps tracking device on it a camera and a microphone. And all of that information is actually being fed to the enemy that you're going to go fight. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not really going to train you on how this thing really works. I'm just going to tell you, like, point it in this direction and pull this thing and you can shoot it. Good luck. Try not to kill yourself and some of the other people on your team. Would you use that weapon? Yeah, no, no, definitely. The answer is no, right? Yeah, and you're yet- right. You're totally right, by the way. It's 100% true. I mean, it's, and yet, <laughs> I yet mean, everybody's... Is, so in reality, the real answer to your question is, yeah, I would use it until I didn't have to. You know what I mean? It's like I would use it because I have to fight the war. Otherwise, I'm going to get killed immediately. So I will use it to shoot people. But at the end of the day, yes, of course, I recognize that it's being used against me. You know what I mean? Like, so it, it, why it is that more people, though, and this literally is a question that just boggles my mind. Why it is that more people like you, intelligent, smart, successful, doing your own thing, right? You understand that the device that you use is literally owned by the enemy and that the comms on this device, your text messages, the applications you're using, the phone calls that you're making, everything that you're doing on this device is being tracked, right? So you know that, you understand that, and yet you're still at war right now using the weapon that is feeding all this to the enemy and why you didn't say, look, I need to ditch this thing and figure out something else to use in this battle. When we have, the, we have the internet, man, like all you have to do is like, what is an alternative to Microsoft windows? What is an alternative to Mac OS? What is an alternative to Google Android? What is an alternative to iOS? All this stuff is available. It's all online. You can easily find this stuff out. People have been using Linux. I know you've heard of Linux. Linux has been an open source operating system that's around for decades at this point. In fact, over 75% of the servers in data centers run by corporations are Linux servers. Why? Because the systems engineers and the network engineers and the smart engineers at these companies realize they don't want to put servers in their data centers that are run and controlled by Microsoft or other companies. They want servers that they control, that they own, that they can manipulate and do what they want to it, not have other people manipulating it and controlling it, right? So for me, like that's, maybe it's me, that's just how I think. Like I'm a problem solver, I'm a troubleshooter. I, you know, to my wife's chagrin, 
she starts talking to me about a problem, I'm instantly like, well, here's the solution, honey. And she's like, shut up. I just want to talk to you about the problem that I'm dealing with right now. And I'm like, yeah, but the solution's right here. And she's like, well, I don't want to hear about it. Just listen to me. Always men and women are like, yeah, I always just like give an immediate solution. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. This is the solution, but they, they right. want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so the but, solution is open source software. It's been around. It is around. It's available. So that's what Mark 3.7 does. We give people open source alternatives to the devices, your phones, and your laptops. We preload it with a bunch of open source software and tools so that you can be successful. We have a ton of training online that we give people to get them up to speed and using open source software. So you're not feeding all of your data to the very companies that are trying to cancel you and get you off of offline and kill you at the end of the day. So, I mean, again, the, the reason why is like, if we're really trying to answer this question is that am, in, in any, in any circumstance, uh, in any circumstance you are going, I'm just looking at your phones. Uh, these are cool. I, I actually really want to get one of these. But um, you're going to have the people who are able to do things for moral and ideological reasons, and then you're going to have the vast, overwhelming majority of people that are not able, that won't do that in, in consumption of anything, right? Consumption of anything at all, you're going to have, or use of, People who are able and smart enough and passionate enough and also just interested enough to do something correctly. And then you're going to have everybody else, right? And the, the thing that the regime, I think, knows is if they, screw, if they make it harder for people to not use their shit, or sorry, use their shit than not use it, they're like screwed immediately right so they don't go all the way right it's like they they know that if they actually start debanking like a lot of people or even a lot of people that a lot of people like they are going to lose their ability to control people right so they have to play ball a little bit they can't make it you're seeing something so far ahead so many other people right and, and those other people are not going to be able to see it until the pain like hits them, you know, but that's why that's why you're completely necessary, because when the pain does hit them, you have to be there to say, hey, I've been waiting for you. You know, like now it's time to come to me because the pain now, you know, because your sister just now can't take your emails anymore. Right. Or like, you know, your friend or or whoever, you're, the guy whose podcast you love, you no longer can listen to their podcast on your phone, you know, then it becomes like, okay, we need these alternative products. But the, the only problem is the regime is smart. Like they know, they know that. And they know they can only push a certain amount before, you know, it just becomes too hard for them to censor, right? So... I hear you. However, I just look at what's happened over the last couple of years. How many hundreds of thousands of people have been deplatformed yeah. from Facebook? Especially COVID, man. COVID was yeah. huge. Right. For simply asking questions, right? Yeah. 
Um, so they have been doing that. You know, Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn, was kicked out of uh, using uh, J.P. Morgan Chase or whoever he was banking yep. with. Like he's a big public figure. Yeah, that's the most scary, terrifying one. Same thing with Cody Wilson. Cody Wilson got debanked. It's crazy. So it, I think that's happening all the time. And I think yeah. it's in in fact they're using it as a tactic in going after these big folks, saying, if you keep doing what you're doing, you're gonna end up like this person, right? Yeah. So it's a fear tactic. Um, so I would say it is happening frequently. It is no, you're right, you're absolutely right, especially since COVID was really like a watershed moment for that where a lot of i have a lot of clients a lot of them woke woke up during COVID because i think yeah. that that's when the pain started that's when it came to their front door you know they started being like wait a second i'm just talking about these things on facebook with my friends and you're making it so i cannot communicate with them about it and so i think that that was a huge like they don't realize how many people they lost during COVID. you know that was a huge error just to, yeah. and handled so poorly. Um, yeah, no, so I'm with you. I mean, I think it, I think the time is essentially approaching to now. I I, I just think it's like, uh, yeah, no. So, I'm, I mean, I'm totally with you. I just think it's like the pain is only going to increase from here to to getting there to, to yeah. you know. Although so I will say I did try and switch to Android once and it, I almost uh, jumped out of window because it was, <laughs> it was so hard. <laughs> really not that hard. I mean, for me, it's like driving a different car. Like, you know, you go yeah. from driving an Audi to, a, you know, a, a stick shift, right? There's You got to learn how to drive the new thing. It might take yeah. a week or two, depending on the person, but eventually you figure it out. If there's enough pain in your life, you'll eventually figure out and make it happen. Oh, 100%. 100%. And everybody yeah. would just feel better. Also, the thing people also don't realize is you feel better spiritually when you're using the correct stuff. You know, when you're not using Google. It's like, it, yeah, it, it, I run my business on Google, which is so hypocritical. It's like, it's so bad that I do that. Yeah. I totally should not do that. And it's like, I'm trying, you know, it, it just, I will do it. It just takes time to, my, you know, but yeah. yeah and that, that's fully acknowledge and admit it does take time to migrate. You got to move. I mean, you're basically taking all of your data that's been sitting in this walled garden of Apple or Google or Microsoft or whoever, and you need to rip it all out of that and you need to put it someplace else. And that takes time. It's no different than migrating, you know, your bank account. So you don't just open up a new bank account and then all of a sudden everything that's tied to the old bank account transfers over to the new bank account. I wish that happened. That's just not how it works, right? So you're forced to sit there and audit what are all the applications and tools that I currently use? What are they dependent on? Where do they live? Do I even have the login and password information for it? Oh, yeah, Which, for all this crap, right? Yeah. Yeah, not surprisingly, not many people even have all the login password information they have. Um, and then you have to switch it over to the new thing. So that's a big piece of what we're also have been building out in our company because we realize that's the major pain that people have well, is migrating, I mean, is the migration. Only, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's one, right. It's like to, to do the work to get that. Right. Get that. So over. we have, we have the tutorials, we've got the written tutorials, we've got video tutorials, but you can also basically hire someone from our team to spend an hour, two hours, three hours with you, coaching you through this process. I've been building a, a network of, you know, elite uh, migration experts. Basically, yeah. you understand Linux really well and understand Google and Apple really well and know how to get the data out of these systems. Who understand also how to use a handful of these open source tools like LibreOffice, which is an alternative to uh, Microsoft Office. 
which are super powerful, very cool, been around for a very long time, cross-compatible, so you can still open Excel spreadsheets and .doc files. You can still save files as those formats, so you can send it to people in those formats. Um, but people just don't know about it, and they haven't been using it. So we're just trying to get people to use these things and training and educating them on that. Yeah, and, uh, no, I see the problem. I'm looking at the screen for the tablet, the ghost tablet right now, which I really will. I promise you I will buy one of these. Next client I close, I'll, I need a tablet anyway, and I will buy one of these things. The, so I, but I'm seeing like you have, you, know, you of course you need all new apps too. You have Proton Mail, Joplin. So I noticed you have Telegram and Signal on here as like alt apps. Are those still legit alt apps or are those compromised? So I don't believe that they are compromised. And that's my opinion. That's the opinion of a lot of people that I know and trust who are mega geeks. Um, the way I look at these platforms, even with Signal, people are like, oh, well, the CIA was funding Signal. And I'm like, well, that. Yeah. Um, if I was a CIA, I also would be funding an open source encryption technology tool because I need it for my own purposes. Um, Google is a big supporter and funder of uh, Android. They take open source Android and then they add all their stuff on top of it. So Google is still supporting open source Android, which is open book, open source. They still help support that project because they're dependent on it. They need it. There's still IBM and Oracle and all these companies still back Linux. They still put a ton of money into the Linux Foundation and support the Linux Foundation, which is open source. It's kind of like the core base uh, infrastructure foundation layer to what they do. So they have to support it and back it. So with Signal, it's the same type of thing. And with Telegram, it's open source. It's encrypted, but encryption is useless if you're still using a, a tool that the enemy can see what you see and hear what you hear and know what you know because they have access to your device. So the fact that we're using encryption, you know, I'm on Signal, you're on Signal. I know that on my end, I'm not compromised. So someone's not watching the conversation, but I don't know if you're using iOS or Mac OS or Microsoft Windows that you're not compromised. You're likely compromised. I see. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So for me, those those tools, I think, are fine. There are other, there's, at this point, there's like a new tool coming out almost every week um, that is yeah. open source, that's encrypted, and that's cool. I mean, we're literally... I truly believe right now, and this is why I'm stoked to go to Replatform, taking this all the way, circling this conversation back to yeah, the start. Well, it's good because I'm going to try and promote our thing with this. So yeah, keep, keep going. So circling back to Replatform, I truly believe that we're in like the late 90s right now, building all these new tools and infrastructure that's going to help us remain anonymous online and be able to keep conservative voices online while we have the government and big tech working every day with trillions of dollars of budget to try to censor us and cancel us, which is really only making us smarter and more creative and innovative in how we go about combating what we're up against. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it's very obvious to me how how close to failure uh, the regimes, they know, you know, like, I think they can feel, uh, because just the, the, the way that they're going about this, as we're saying, is so impractical. You know, trying to censor a bunch of people on the internet is a stupid thing to do to begin with. And then even beyond that, it's just like, yeah, I just don't, Maybe. I, I kind of stupid? agree. 
I would say that they were pretty damn successful convincing. I mean, it's amazing how successful the they've to, been. It's yeah. it's amazing how successful they've been so far. And that's really just because people are idiots. I mean, right? I mean, people are just so dumb. But yeah, dude, yeah, you are right, man. I, I live in LA. I go to these parties. I, I went to a, a kid's birthday party today. Half these people stopped talking to me during COVID. And now they just walk up like, oh, yeah, hey, what's up, man? Well, you know, what? one of them is literally a public health czar who she totally wanted everybody to be forced the vaccine and lose their jobs, if not. And that, and then I, ta- I said to her at the time, this is completely ridiculous. You should have no power. And then I see her at this thing, and she's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, and like, you want to be like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what's, what's up? Don't, like, talk to me like you right. weren't, like, literally put good to be down. She would have been 100% fine with me going to jail. Like, I am, right. I am 100% sure. She yeah. would not have been like, oh, no, he's a good guy. No, she would have been like, throw the, fucking, throw the book at this guy. Yeah. And then now she's just like pretending like we're friends. So, no, I mean, you're right. It's amazing how, how much they've gotten, gotten away with. But we, have, we do have to remember, COVID really was unprecedented. You know, it like people did not. I think that really was the moment people were like, oh, shit. Like, uh, th- I'm being controlled a lot more than I, I thought I was being controlled. So, what, what was in? I mean, you probably. I mean, maybe not in. Well, probably in LA. I was living in Raleigh at the time, and I would walk down the street with my family in downtown Raleigh, and we would have people screaming at us for not wearing masks outside in public, screaming. no one around us, yeah. and yet we could drive 15 minutes south of downtown Raleigh to a town called Fuquay Verena. Everything's open. People yeah. are out partying on the streets. Bars are open. Like totally different paradigm. And you just kind of want to talk to people and be like, how do you not realize that you are living in this little controlled bubble that is telling you to live in fear and that you have to be afraid of everything, that you're going to die, and that there's a whole other paradigm that exists over here. So this is... It, you know, dude, it's, it, yeah. it was the same thing. I, I During COVID, I just couldn't handle it. So I just went on like a walkabout for three weeks without my phone. And I drove all around Northern California and Oregon. And I went one day into North Southern Oregon, which is like super Republican, like ultra based, and then Northern California. And you could feel like the difference. Everything was open. I went out, I like partied with a bunch of people. We like shared, you know, cigarettes. Like it was totally fun. You go 20 minutes south, everybody's locked in their homes, you know, like terrified. They won't talk to each other. And I was just like, how can you not see this? Like, how can you not see that right. the people of Oregon are not dying? It's the same. They're not dying any more than you are not. And it's just, man, like, I guess for, uh, yeah, as for, for as much as, uh, you know, the internet can, that can connect people like you with people or people like me with you, it can also just control people. You know, it's just such a powerful mechanism of control, you know? So we, I mean, we can only hope and pray that people are going to start waking up in mass uh, uh, which yeah. I think they have. I mean, yeah, I think they're, they're, um, but now people need to realize that they have a voice yeah, and that they need to start taking action and not be yes. apathetic and either waiting for other people to start taking action for them. Uh, we're saying it's a lost cause. You know, th- things are too broken. There's nothing I can do about it. Um, and I'm one freely admitting it. Like we've already talked about, like the world is run by gangst- unethical gangsters means justify the ends they will blow up the world they'll you know detonate the universe to just try to resent you know create this tiny little 
microcosm of power that they can retain and keep. Um, they're going to do some evil things. They've done evil things. They're going to continue to do evil things. But we have to stand up. We have to be a voice. We have to bring some logic and reason back to humanity uh, oh, and stand yeah. together in the process. So that's I am very excited to be going to uh, replatform because I'm going to be hanging out with people like you. Like we don't agree on 100% of things. Definitely not from a spiritual level, but probably not from a sounds like we agree on most things when it comes to everything else in the world. But, um, you know, we can still sit down and break bread and we're on the same mission, the same team in the same battlefield. And the key here, I, I meet a lot of evangelicals who are like crazy. Um, they're crazy passionate. And what some of them are like, oh, well, you're like, I'm a traditional Catholic. It was like, oh, you're a traditional Catholic. You know, I, we don't believe in, in, in Catholics. We think Catholics are crazy because they worship Mary and they, worship the Pope. And I'm like, well, I don't think you fundamentally even understand Catholicism if that's what you've been taught and that's what you believe, we believe. Um, but at the end of the day, we're fighting the same enemy right now. We are literally fighting the same enemy right now. We're in the trenches at war. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I know we're pointed in the same direction fighting the same enemy, but did you say you were Muslim? <sighs> I can't fight with Muslims. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to go fight in another ditch in another area. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Right. I'm like, no, bro, we're all in this fighting the same enemy right now. We need to go focus on the enemy, take out the enemy. And then over drinks, maybe after the day's done, we can have a theological conversation about um, some stuff. Right. Instead of sitting here bickering and fighting over semantics, we need to be focused, laser focused on the enemy and taking out the enemy. Yeah, totally agree, man. Could not agree more. Um, all right, man. Let, this was really great. Yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'll try and get this out so we can promote the the ball and the thing. And um, yeah, I, I love what you're doing. Uh, keep up the keep up the good work, man. Appreciate it. And for you, man, I get I get you good deal, man. You tell me Very what good. you want, I get you good deal. My friend, my friend, I give you great my friend. deal. On seven. I give you good deal. <laughs> okay. The best deal. All right. No, I got you. I got you. Now, what I'm, I'm about actually, well, we'll talk about this offline, but uh, yeah, thank you so much, man. I don't know if I think you have to end this. I don't think I, oh, yeah, this device. All right, man, I'll give it to you if not tonight because it's 9 12 and I got it's a time machine. Uh, I might get to you tomorrow. Oh, I'll talk to you later. Peace, bro. Goes backwards, forwards. takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Time of our lives. Getting money was all we ever did.